Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... I've been dropping off my kids in pajamas lately. Since it is winter in Denmark right now, no one really sees what I wear underneath my big jacket. So I've been lazy and put, been just wearing my pajamas and dropping them off at daycare or uh, Bernahoun. So no problem. I even go to uh, the store in pajamas afterwards. So no one really sees it. So okay it's okay with me i know there are parents out there that do the same thing and if you do drop me an email and tell me about it or if you have uh, a kids uh, that don't think uh, kids that think you're cool but moment let me know and just email me i would love to hear what uh, they are now let's get back to the show I've been interviewing many incredible moms out there on this podcast, and I love sharing their experiences being an international parent. So today, I am so happy to say I have another dad willing to share his story of being a parent in Denmark. A dad's perspective and experience are so different, so I want to learn more about other dads living abroad and what they are be- what they are going through. You know, from how to get a job, finding friends, learning the language for them, being an international dad, even finding interests besides their family, and so much more. I love that I started the show because I get to learn so many different points of views and how people experience living in Denmark or abroad. Today, I have an international dad from Tanzania named Benson, and I will let him pronounce his last name because I'll probably say it wrong. He has been living in Denmark for a couple years now. He has a daughter with his ex-wife who is Dane. Now um, we will be talking about how he experienced Denmark and also what he's going to be doing here in Aarhus. Um, he'll be starting a dance studio sometime when the world opens up again. Uh, a dance studio. A dance studio is in the near future. Fusion. What, what is that word? A fusion? fusion is a mix between <laughs> a fusion between fusion and future. Yeah, maybe I was just thinking of dancing and then like being that international. Fusion yeah, fusion dancing. <laughs> <laughs> dance, well, dance your way into integration. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> Welcome, Benson. Thank and you so much. Thank you for being on this podcast and radio show to talk about yourself and your studio and your experience here in uh, Denmark, not just about yourself, but just in general about your life. And I think it's so interesting that you live here in Denmark, you're international, and you're also raising your daughter here with your ex-wife. So you're kind of co-parenting and how that's that is going for you. Um, and then before we jump into the hard, hard questions, you know, <laughs> not really hard questions, but um, can you tell the audience a little about a little bit about yourself and how you ended up here in Denmark? Yes, sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you so much for having me, and uh, um, it's a privilege to be able to share my story. I like to hear stories, and I like to also 
share my story so because everybody has a story of course so i would like to say first of all my name is Benson Rukantabula so that's Rukantabula it. exactly you okay say, that draws beautiful out of yeah like, it rolls yeah so people usually get it right uh, after several tries but you got it right the first time <laughs> i didn't mention it <laughs> i was afraid to because i usually ruin people's last name i was like i just let them say it because Yeah, it's just easier. <laughs> But Rukantabula. Rukantabula. By, yeah. By the way, it's not even a common name in Tanzania in uh, when I was in high school, you know, uh, when you're a kid, you're silly, then they used to make fun of my surname by trying to yeah, rhyme it with something else and yeah. it, and it gave, got actually popular than my first name. So because it, it was a very special name, a very long and actually doesn't don't even know what it means. Yeah, so, so people just call you Rukantabua. Yeah, or Rukantability or whatever <laughs> they come up with <laughs> that they thought it was funny. Yeah. But so. do people here in Denmark try that? <laughs> no, not in Denmark. It was <laughs> only too hard. in Tanzania in high school. Yeah, yeah they wouldn't get uh, through the the first few letters. So, <laughs> so just call me Benson or Ben, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But how did you uh, end up here in in Denmark? Yeah, so how I end up in Denmark? Well, uh, I'm from Tanzania, and uh, it's there where I met my my ex, who's Dane, and uh, we worked together for a, a volunteerism organization where I was working as part of another NGO as a volunteer in one of the radios in Tanzania, one of the very old radios, and she was working as a a coordinator there and that's where we met and we became friends we dated we lived there for a while and then she missed home and then we said let's take a try to come to Denmark and see how what uh, the life gives us so that that's a short uh, story of how i end up here yeah and you said earlier that you don't have radio experience but you do yes, <laughs> in not, tanzania not exactly at this setup but uh, yeah <laughs> it was a uh, yeah It, it's uh, I don't know if I should go into details about uh, what I was doing that but uh, the short version is that we're working to try to digitize one of the very old radio archives because they used to have uh, real reels uh, recording in reels and they're sitting in deteriorating tapes in dust so we started an initiative to find out if we could digitize uh, mm. the recordings because there's a lot of um, gold in them like a very radio uh, programs for kids from the 70s and the 80s and we thought it would be a pity if it all went to waste so yeah. that's a short <laughs> part of uh, what why I was involved with radio okay so that is a really good incentive because you don't want that to go because that's the history of um, exactly. yes. Tanzanian radio yes. so you want to keep that and then keep playing it for kids for kids and generations to come Yes, exactly. So that's a really good initiative that yes. uh, you're a part of. Yeah. Um, what was your first impression when you've moved to Denmark? Yeah, that's. Uh, I actually had mixed feelings when I moved to Denmark. Uh, well, as a child, I grew up in Germany with my whole family. So I was a little bit uh, used or accustomed to Europe, like, you know, the winter, all the seasons and and the people and all that. But that was my experience as a kid. And of course, Denmark is not Germany. It's different. It's a bit similar, but also can be different. So my first impression was like uh, uh, the challenging, sort of the food, actually. <laughs> Because in Tanzania, we we really like uh, our delicious uh, finger-licking, greasy food. And here I just, 
seal was, uh, for example, very <laughs> shocking for me. I was like, why are they eating a rotten fish in a jar? Like, why don't you have food? <laughs> so that was one of the things that was like, uh, I was, I just got it like, wow. Huh? And of course, the culture is very different because um, uh, people here in Denmark, they usually keep to themselves if they don't know people. And in Tanzania, people are very like, hi, very jello and uh, very friendly and open. And so that was a transition that I had to go. I'm sure other foreigners who moved to Denmark, they also have to go through that. So that's one of the, one of the few things, the food and the the openness of the people. <laughs> have you? Do you like salt now? <laughs> have mm, you tried it? Good question. <laughs> I, I can eat it. I can eat it. Like if it's a traditional uh, Danish uh, <laughs> Christmas evening where you have to have seal and uh, wash it down with the snaps, then I can do it in that <laughs> occasion. But otherwise, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I like it when, it when it has curry. Uh, exactly. Yes, I like it to curry yeah. too. It's a little yeah. bit sour, right? Yeah, but yeah. It's, it is. It's, it's the only thing that, for instance, in Easter bosque, I mm. used to love the fact that it will be homemade kaisel, mm. and yeah, and yeah, that's why I got fat. <laughs> <laughs> I gained my weight here because of the bakeries. Because I was surprised. Uh, how much fresh uh, don't say mcdonald's um the fresh uh bread they have here i wasn't used to in the u.s they we don't have fresh bakeries it's like you get bread in a bag you can find them but there, it's very rare to find a fresh bakery that sells uh, bread from that same day that's baked so that was very shocking for me to see so much bakeries everywhere all over <laughs> were you eating the bread or the cakes The cakes, of course. Yeah, <laughs> rhubarb was another thing that I had to get used to. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I was like, or cutting it. I uh, so hard to cut it. What do you eat? Car- cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter loves it. It's like she, you get used to do it, and yeah, I have to finding the good things. Out I have to too. take it to the U.S. because um, I'm like one of those people that have rhubarb in their <laughs> suitcases <laughs> because and rimbalil because my daughter uh, won't eat so much stuff in the U.S. Um, unless I have rhubarb and rimbalil. <laughs> okay, wow. she's so Dane. Yeah, she's so Dane. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Wow. She didn't. She didn't get my uh, palate where I'm like, oh, sushi, uh, Asian food, spice. And I think she's, she's like potato and liver pesto. <laughs> you know, in Chile, in Chile, you use you get that, but they call it German bread because the Germans. Oh yeah, because they, they also they, have yeah, they, they have they, that dark they bread. Took it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it exactly like rhubarb? It's it's the same thing. Yeah, oh, it's okay. rye bread. Yeah. So, mm. uh, I think it's h- uh, harder. <laughs> yeah, it's actually hard. Uh, because here you, you can, can get f- harder. Yeah, you, you can find here sort of because uh, I like the soft, more moisture one. Mm. But the uh, the one that you will find in, in back home in Chile is a bit drier. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably just because it's shipped from Germany and it takes a while, so mm. it gets harder and harder until it gets. It has to become chili. very popular. <laughs> Yeah. I think the the more it stays, the more it gets harder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Are you gonna still eat it after a few years? Yeah. So like, okay, it's still good. No, still, it, beca- still it good. becomes the chip because they have rhubarb chips oh, there. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it becomes the chip, and now it just becomes a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about rhubarb and bread. <laughs> I, I feel like if we could talk about bread and pastries for an hour, we can talk about everything for an hour. Trust me. <laughs> Uh, what were your first culture shock besides the <laughs> silt in the in the jar uh, from language or um, you know naked bodies everywhere <laughs> you know and you know that yeah 
What you was your first? You always bring the naked body. <laughs> yeah, because when yeah. you don't come from a country that uh, when you go into a locker room and everyone's dressed and then you come to a locker room in Denmark and everyone's naked, you're just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> where are your clothes? But now I'm used to it. Like for me, then I go back to the US. I'm just like, whoa. Why doesn't anyone shower to go in, in the <laughs> pool? That's kind of nasty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it like makes sense in my head. It, it's common. <laughs> But here, when I first came here, I'm just like, why do you shower before you go in the pool? It's like you, that's the whole point. It's like the, it comes off. But now I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what were your like culture shock and um, stuff that you had to get used to while you were living in, in Denmark? Yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, the language, for example, mm-hmm. that I think is for most people. It was it uh, because my impression of coming to Denmark when I said, "Okay, it's a Scandinavian country," and I was like googling it, and and I just assumed everybody's like um, uh, tall, blonde, and they all can speak English perfectly, and they do, but uh, they prefer not to. <laughs> so everybody have to go through the whole process of language school, trying mm-hmm. to understand, and it's actually really challenging also. Uh, because to get uh, the the even right now my Danish is really broken, and uh, but I can understand almost everything, which helps a lot because you at least uh, know understand what what's going on around you. Maybe if you're in a train and people are talking, you know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So that sort of like comes it down. And uh, so I'm at, at the point that my Danish is still broken after five years, but still I I can understand a lot. Even uh, so, my previous job. Uh, the interview was in Danish, and I responded in English. Mm. It was a very weird room setup, but uh, it worked, and uh, I understand everything that has been said. Uh, so that was the most important thing, I think. So that's a big culture shock for me, but and it's I'm still working on that. And the other thing, like you said, of course, uh, what was uh, the naked body or the freedom with their body of the mm-hmm. people. It's also very different than in Tanzania and Africa in general because in Africa people is like, "Well, you have to cover your body." It's like could be really thirty degrees hot. Yeah, but it's considered like good manners to dress up properly, mm-hmm. and it's not only about dressing but also how you are dressing the elders. Mm. You know, so there's like this kind of a thing that the elders they have wisdom and they are always right. So if you're younger. Even we have slangs in Swahili, mm-hmm. which I can only speak with people my age or a little bit older than me. I cannot use the same language to to the older people. And I had a couple of uh, international friends who came to visit me in Tanzania, and mm-hmm. we would like train them some Swahili, mm-hmm. some slangs, and then they would use it to an older. And then I'm just closing my eyes. Don't never say that. You know, it's disrespectful. Yeah. So things like this. So, but I, when I came here, here it's very free. People like uh, uh, dressing however they want. As, kids cussing. Uh, kids cursing, <laughs> cussing their parents, and uh, also that thing of the <laughs> respect. Mm-hmm. It's not here really. It's like uh, a younger person can talk to an older person the way they want. You know, of course, based on how they're raised and. But it's it's like that. Everyone is the same, is equal. So th- that's also something that uh, I had to get used to, really. Um, what else? The weather, of course. Also, like as I mentioned before, I used to live in Germany, but that was a really long time ago in the late nineties, late eighties. But I sort of like forgot about it mm-hmm. coming from a tropical weather. So I sort of have to get used to those uh, times of. Uh, there'll be a time of year where you have more 
darker <laughs> days and and all can all those things that come with it so that's something that uh, you have to get used to really uh, that's pretty much it uh, okay <laughs> yeah no that maybe if know. something comes yeah <laughs> no there's I feel like there's always something coming. Yeah. It's like if one you get used to it, uh, one culture shock, and then the next one come, you're like, oh, and it's like you've been living here for uh, five years, and it's like I didn't even know about that one. Like, yeah. so um, earlier you were just saying that with language um, and respect, uh, how you speak to elders. Do you try to, since you have a daughter here, do you try to uh, teach your uh, daughter? Um, you know, in Denmark, you speak this way to your elders or to adults, but when you go to Tanzania, you talk with respect. Um, how do you balance that out f- with her? That's a really good question, actually. So I would maybe start a little bit with my own upbringing. Yeah. Right? Uh, so I was raised by, uh, of course, most of my time was a single mother, but mm-hmm. like I said, we lived in Germany and My family moved there. I was only six months old. So German was the first language I ever spoke. I knew mm-hmm. nothing about Tanzania, about Africa in general. So my upbringing ha- ha- has been a little bit mixed mm-hmm. uh, between a little bit more Western and a little bit African. Yeah. And our mother, she always uh, raised in a way that we have a discussion. If there's a problem, okay, sit, because she only had three boys. So she said, you're my guys. Let's sit. Let's talk about this. So... Uh, That is how I was brought up, and that is also what I try to pass it on to my daughter, you know, because sometimes she just looks at me when I just say, okay, now we sit, now we have to talk about this, and then she talks, and then I just say, stop with the name-calling, because she do sometimes do some name-calling, she thinks it's funny, mm-hmm. because maybe she saw it on YouTube or something. But like, no, you are not uh, supposed to uh, to do name-calling and... And then she explains to me, I got it because at school I have a friend, her name is Matilda, and she's doing that. I said, yeah, but still, that's not okay. So I try to pass on some values that I Mm -hmm. think are important to her. I don't want necessarily to restrict her exactly what what I was raised, but I I know what good is good and what bad is bad. Mm -hmm. And what I think is right, then I try at my very, very best to to talk to her. And uh, she's really... She's a really good person. Mm-hmm. Like I could see even for me some things I haven't even taught her. But she comes to me. She's a caring person. Mm-hmm. So even even if at times where she's really difficult, she knows how to come down and say, I'm sorry, I was just disappointed because you told me I can have this and now I cannot have this. That's why I was like this. So something like that. And I yeah. think that's really, really great coming from a six years old. And I yeah. kind of hope it stays that way. And when that happens, sometimes are you shocked? Like, Whoa, oh, like this is coming from a six-year-old. There is so many moments that she says something that it really, like, it, she got got me off guard and had really quickly text her mother or make a small video and send to her mother to say, did you know about this? So she, she sometimes, uh, but you know, uh, kids growing up at this era, it's uh, because of the internet revolution, you know, they have this YouTube, TikTok, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they pick up something that even the parents, they don't know about it, you know. So you just have to, of course, be careful with what they're picking up. 
maybe having some parental controls in in YouTube or whatever, but uh, they pick up the very good things. For example, my daughter, she's very fluent in English, mm. and sometimes she come up with these vocabularies that I haven't even taught her myself. So I'm like, wow, you know. So yeah, kids they tend to to surprise us. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the vocabularies. My daughter went shopping with my husband one day, and my husband's like, oh, you can. Uh, pick a Barbie because you were doing so good, and I want to get you a Barbie. And she said some. She, my husband was telling me like she said some like, "Oh, I want this Barbie because it's so detailed." And she's only four, <laughs> saying all these really long words. And my husband's like, "You, you should have heard what was coming out of her <laughs> mouth that a four year old <laughs> shouldn't be saying." It's like it's detailed, and you see the hair, and <laughs> it's like. I was like, wow, it's it's so interesting to hear what they learn from 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 the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, with with your daughter being raised with you and your uh, with your ex, how do you uh, co-parent um, or, and then balance the culture of in Denmark? And then this is how we do it in Tanzania. Yes. So uh, what we do mostly is like uh, we have a really actually good communication and good agreement with Mike that she's our main focus. Mm-hmm. Like she's one thing that we have in mutual, and we have to agree on things. Not all the time it works, but most of the time it does. Mm-hmm. And what we do, we usually try to inform each other a lot about this is a program that we start here. We would like it also if you do it there, mm-hmm. something like that. So she doesn't really see that. Uh, being at mom's or being at dad is completely two separate worlds. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, she might try to trick us and say like, but mommy says I can get candy on Wednesday. I'm like, nope. That old chestnut. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like it's only Friday and then she like, damn, they know about my, my about this, you know, so because we have good communication. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, uh, Our co-parenting is mostly like she spends most of the time with her mother. I have her every other week mm-hmm. from Thursday to Monday. We also have good time together. Um, but uh, from her mother's side, I would say she gets more a lot of like Danish uh, 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 kind of like parenting, and she goes to school there. And Danish is something that she's it's very strong stand stands out. But her mother, she also speaks a little bit of Swahili and. She lends us some words that she comes to me and she surprises me with it. And they make sometimes some Tanzanian food there. I make Tanzanian food, for example. Recently, we made what's called chapati, which is like a kind of like a pancake, mm-hmm. very common in Tanzania. So she really liked the the whole uh, cooking process where we have to make the dough, we have to to do all the. It takes about an hour with a very messy kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> but it works so. So that's something I try to pass pass on to her. I haven't really succeeded on uh, teaching her Swahili, okay? <laughs> Because uh, again, with the fact that I'm not with her most of the time, and also I feel like her being fluent in English is good enough because my entire family they speak English, and people in Tanzania, some of them they speak English, and actually my parents also speak German, also, but. Uh, Because for me, when I was a kid, like I mentioned, German was my first language, but it's all gone now. I cannot speak any German, you know. Can you understand? I don't know. I don't think I can. Mm. But uh, when I go to German, because I have friends and family there, when they tell me to pronounce like the streets, like Hermannstrasse or something, I feel like it's... 
it's somewhere hidden in my brain. Like I can pronounce it uh, well, even though I haven't heard it. So mm. I believe the language is maybe hiding somewhere in my brain membrane somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so with that factor, I thought like I could try to teach my daughter that, but if it wouldn't stick because she ha- also have to use the language, you know. So that is some thing that I'm a bit in dilemma. But on the other hand, I feel like I'm pretty confident her speaking English fluently is really, really good enough. And uh, yeah, she she talks to my, she FaceTime with my mom and they speak in, 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 in English really fluently. Sometimes she she says something in English and she's not so confident. She speaks to me in Danish like, dad, is it correct what I just said? <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, that's perfectly fine. Oh, so, <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. So the co-parenting is really going well. Yeah. We try to balance things and have good uh, communication. Yeah. That's really, yeah. really good. Um, with with the Tanzanian or Swahili, Tanzanian language, <laughs> Swahili, um, is, it, is that something that you want your daughter to learn in the future or it's just um, English is much better um, for her? I think she can learn it in the future if she wants. It's actually a pretty easy language, not really close to how difficult Danish is, <laughs> absolutely not. So, and I know a lot of, like, for example, her mother, she have been going to Tanzania on and off and she can speak it. Of course, it fades away when she comes to when she came to Denmark because you're not using it as much. So it is something that you can learn in the future and, and, and get it. And we're introducing a word or two and... Uh, different things in Swahili so if she would like or in the future I think she can easily get it she can learn and also I heard I'm not so sure about this but I heard that uh, bilingual children they learn languages faster so I hope that if she can be fluent in Danish and English at the very uh, age that she is then she, she probably can also get Swahili fairly easy then I hope <laughs> <laughs> well she does know two languages and then with her family speaking Swahili, I'm pretty sure that she will be able to just send her to Tanzania for two months. She could probably get it in, yes, yes. in a matter of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing how, how challenging it is that for a baby or, you know, that to deal with so many languages and how fast they actually absorb it. Because mm-hmm. it is, it's crazy. I mean, in my house, it's like my baby learns Danish in the Bogostua. Mm. Then I speak to her in Spanish. Then her mom speaks to her in Polish. And then we all speak together in English. So, <laughs> so it's like four languages. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> they have their own way. But also kids, you know, they're not shy. You know, no. like us adults, we are a little bit afraid to make mistakes, but they just go at it. And and that actually makes them really good learners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I want to just, you know, start speaking. And I was like, in my head, it's like, oh, you're saying it wrong, especially in Danish. Like, that's not how you say it. It's like, okay, I'll just say it in English. <laughs> um, were you homesick at all um, while your stay here in Den- uh, Denmark? And what do you usually do when you feel like homesick and start missing uh, Tanzania and family at home? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been homesick, I think. Uh, and uh, ha- ha- Tanzania having a place that I've uh, spent most of my, my adult my young and adulthood, uh, then of course I have missed home. And uh, the most stuff that I miss is like the weather, especially when it gets winter here, and the beach. Because like when I was younger, 
the weekends when it get too hot me and uh, some of my friends would go to they have like very small islands so we'll take a boat and go to these islands with uh, our bags full of beers and barbecue and music and just spend there from 10 in the morning until in the evening <laughs> so that's the kind of things that I really miss who would have missed that yeah <laughs> that's the life <laughs> the exactly. island life <laughs> that's the life man you don't think about anything but just relax just in the chill. sun yeah So that's one of the thing and uh, of course when I get homesick it's mostly like I don't know I just uh, what I feel lucky after I moved here to Aarhus actually a really a uh, big Tanzanian community mm. in in Aarhus so we speak a lot Swahili we can meet and speak Swahili and make food and and catch up on home politics mm. and what's going on and stuff like that and uh, for a few hours you feel like you're a little bit home even though you're in Denmark so that really helps and uh yeah but i think it's okay i i miss my friends but not so much because uh, as I, when i was in tanzania i was also like try to keep myself i was sort of like an introvert i could be an extrovert in disguise but mostly like i used to have uh, two three friends and that was fine so when i moved here i didn't really i didn't had to let go a network of friends that i would miss so it was okay as long as i had two or three or four friends and we meet and catch up and talk and rant and share our thoughts that was really uh, good enough but of course every now and then so you miss home yeah. eventually yeah it's nice that you found a little community of tanzanians where you can actually feel at home uh speak the language or uh, cook and just kind of talk about tanzania and you all know what's going on there versus when you're with Like it's also awesome being with different internationals because you hear their point of view and what's going on in their home and it's still also a really nice conversation but when you're people from the same um uh, nationality and the same country it's such a home feeling yeah and totally and uh, though this is the type of people that really gets you mm-hmm. you know because you know we really get what you mean because you could not share that with anybody who understand because they pretty much went through the same story as you they have the same experiences so you feel like when you share your uh, your thoughts are really hard and somebody who really like understand or been there so sort of thing yeah yeah so it's For the listeners it's so so important to just find your network when you're living abroad um you know via groups or somewhere um how did you find the group of Tanzanians um here well, in Aarhus Yeah no I can remember I think uh, probably somebody mentioned that did you know that there's a group of them but actually it's not only a group there's a big organization called Utamaduni which mm-hmm. means culture in Swahili in english <laughs> now I'm mixing the two <laughs> too many languages in your head <laughs> exactly and uh, it's a it's an organization that uh, started i think in the 70s i might be wrong but uh, they have really strong ties with a part of tanzania so culture and they do the traditional dancing and every kind of thing that you can ever imagine and every summer for the past i think 30 years they've had summer camp somewhere in Chuos where the whole camp is sort of like turned to like a Tanzanian village where you have tents and uh, local vendors making some food and they have small shops and uh, everything is mind blowing i even went to a so- small shop we call it duka in swahili mm-hmm. it's also written in swahili and then there's a guy 
he was a Dane and I was just started to thinking in my head trying to ask him for a beer and he just overwhelmed me with a lot of Swahili flu and Swahili thing. And he's Dane? He's Dane. Wow. I was so surprised. Like he like really, really flew. Jesus Christ. And I was like <laughs> say, Whoa, what what is this? so it's uh I feel really lucky to have known this uh, organization mm -hmm. and to be a part of this community. And uh, it's a it's a place where I also bring my daughter in summer uh, to we stay in a tent. Maybe it's the whole week, so maybe That's she gets that two, two days, and uh, she gets we gets to meet old and then people also with their Danish families with their children, and they have different programs and so much going on that can really open people's mind especially the children they get that feeling like so i think for me i feel so lucky that in denmark there's such a huge tendon uh, community that have gone into deep deep depth of trying to portray and try to show the people and especially our children our network about what tendon is like and the culture and the dancing and the happiness and, and the freedom and everything so i feel really lucky about that that's so cool that that I didn't even know that they had that um, kind of uh, week of camping and just learning about the culture. And for your daughter, that has to be, she doesn't even have to travel back to Tanzania. Yeah, she she gets that week of yeah. camping yeah. and being immersed in it. Yeah, and it can be as many as 700 people. Wow, exactly. and that's all over Denmark. That's uh, that's that's only in. Uh, of course, it's in Jordan, but people come from from different places, like Shiland, different yeah. places to come. And I think as we, there have been as many as six hundred, seven hundred people in that camp. Wow! So this, this is how many people we're talking about. So it's really huge. So you just need really hot weather, and then it's like you're in Tanzania, exactly. <laughs> and then like blue water. And everybody speaks Swahili, yeah. and everybody's dancing, and everybody knows at least a few people. So it's it's really cool. Yeah, that's that we definitely have to put that information on the on the website because there's probably people there that don't even know about this or just moving from Tanzania to Denmark and not knowing this kind of community even existed. Exactly. So I would yeah. love to have that information um, on on the on this podcast so other people can can join it and feel at home for at least a week. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. You have a really, really uh, successful, um, a, a good job right now. And um, many internationals have a really difficult time actually finding a job in, in Denmark. Uh, how was that for you to look for a job and actually secure a job here in Denmark? Well, I would, I would just say I think I just got lucky really mm -hmm. because I've talked to many of my colleagues uh, from not only Tanzania but different parts of the world and they've been complaining about the same thing that how, how difficult it is to to get into the Danish job market and uh, for me it was the same but I was just, uh, I just told myself I'm not going down without a fight and mm -hmm. uh, when I got here I started with the Danish language and I already had uh, uh, education from Tanzania, which is similar to a bachelor bachelor in IT. Uh, so I had that, but I knew that's not good enough here because there could be many things different from the curriculum. So what I did is I sent my my papers to the Danish Ministry of Education to get certified so mm -hmm. that they they can level they know which level I am. And they told me that my level was a diploma, some kind of diploma. Mm -hmm. Datamatica, I think they call it. And then I saw with this level, I started looking for jobs. I didn't get a job. So I said, I'm going to get an education so that I can level it 
to like a bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. So I I I so I I did that took about three semesters. So so I had the I had a Danish level of my education. So after that, then I, actually while I was still working when we were looking for internship, I was just trying to make application here and there. But many people they read that uh, you have to be fluent in Danish and the education was in English. So that was kind of a blocker mm. for me. But then I was just at home one day. Mara was very small. I was just carrying her and she was crying. And then my phone rang. And then as I picked up and said, somebody, uh, I'm calling from this company, one of the actually really big companies here. And I felt embarrassed because my daughter was making noise in the background. I was like, this is an important part, <laughs> moment of my life. Yeah. And then I said, I'm so sorry, my daughter is crying. And said, ah, that's totally fine, no problem. And I just said that uh, we just saw your resume. Uh, and, you know, like different companies, they have portals where you can upload your resume. And I don't even remember I uploaded in that company. Yeah. And they just told me we saw it and uh, we really, really looking for a, uh, an intern slash a student worker. And they we started talking, are you are you uh, familiar with this? Oh, no, no, but I can learn and stuff like that. And they told me, oh, well, why don't you come to our offices on Monday? So it was a start like that. So I... I went, it was like a moment of disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just walked into the office, really nice, fancy office. And and uh, we just talked a little bit on in his office and then said, yeah, we totally want you to join us. And then he just walked me around introducing to the colleague and like, ah, this is a new student worker will be joining us from this date. So it was like that. That was an internship. And I did that and I did my bachelor's project. Also that company... So for about uh, half a year, I worked with them. And I was kind of really hoping that they'll get me a job after. But they told me, oh, sorry, we don't have a job at the moment. And then I was, after I finished my study, I had three months where I was looking for jobs. And then I got another call from the same company. Mm. Because, you know, people, like, they recommend people, you know. You <laughs> get somebody to know somebody. And then they had the good work that I did. And they said, like... Even in the interview, I was just trying to say, I, I also have these qualities. And I said, don't worry, we've heard all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a really like lightweight interview. And yeah, I think I got the job immediately. And uh, But like I mentioned, uh, for me, it was really luck because mm. I was in the same pool of n- the people who are not fluent in Danish. And that diminishes your chances really fast. Um, but I think I was like, and also... I work as a, I'm a software developer, so we, it's more important that you know your programming languages and you know tech and you love tech and you love problem solving. And most of the solution we're using the platform is American, yeah. <laughs> so in English. So you can do some Danglish and that should be also okay. So the, as, as long as you're good at that, that's what matters. And also they have a scarce of these tech people here in Denmark. So, so that also kind of helps uh, for for somebody to get in. What would be your advice for any like internationals that's like looking for a job, and that's kind of like ah oh, can't get a job? But what would be your advice for anyone that's looking for a job currently or going to be that's a student and looking for an internship? Yeah, for me, I would say like because of course my story is very different in the field of. My the field where I'm working is also very different, so maybe it might not apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's a usual <laughs> Danish. But of course, we know that. But uh, also, 
to try to upload your, your make a really nice resume, try to upload it to to the different kind of company portals. You can can get like there and just be honest to say my Danish is this. Um, just be honest with your level and then and then and just don't give up. Just keep fighting because you never know. Because uh, one company is very different to the other, you know. Some some companies say no, we don't have to room for you. But some companies like uh, we want you to join us today, you know, something like this. Um, so I would say just keep fighting and uh, keep uh, keep improving. And if you have like an international, like of course not necessarily, but if you have uh, your papers from like for example Africa or anything, try to get them certified by the Ministry of Education because that also gives you some pointers. And if you can improve your education, try and you have a chance, it's free here. You can do that. Uh, so you can just try this small thing that add value here and there in your career and and keep trying. I'd say that. Those are really good advice, especially for newcomers or people that's been looking for jobs for a couple months, and it's just so discouraging. It's like no, 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 we don't want you, mm. and then you kind of want to give up a little bit, mm. but just keep going and then there's going to be a yes one day <laughs> yeah, it can be very eventually <laughs> but yeah. it's wearing on someone's personality uh, especially living abroad it's like you, you feel like you'll never get a job yeah. or never be accepted because you don't s- speak a certain language yeah, it's a very uh, challenging and also you know like if the field is very it's it's common that many people in denmark already have that education so they'd rather take a danish person who already like know the culture and speak the language than the foreigner. And at some point it makes sense, but it's not so good for foreigners. <laughs> really. Yeah, unless you know Danish. And I feel like when you first get into Denmark, it's like all, like most of the application says must speak Danish, must speak Danish. It's uh, Danish, you have to be Danish fluent. Even though if it says that, I think just apply, mm. uh, just uh, put it out there. Um, maybe they'll call you, maybe not. Uh, you never know until until you try, and if they don't call you, okay, <laughs> it's not a problem. But just keep putting their CV out. Mm-hmm. You know, contact if you know if you have the courage to contact the person, mm-hmm. uh, call them. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. With the calling party, just try to call because you know sometimes you can just get somebody's vibe from just a telephone call. Yeah, because you know, sometimes you see a post is very attractive, but then you call to somebody, you hear they're like very reluctant and don't even bother, you know. But because sometimes it's managers, right? They say I want this and this and this, and sometimes even me when I look into the tech details that they want, I'm like no. You don't want somebody who can do that. You will never get somebody who can do all of that. Mm-hmm. So you want some of it, but of course you want to push for the really high quality, but you don't want all the things. Nobody can know all these things. So so sometimes just call and say, oh, I see you have this. Uh, uh, what is the most important values mm-hmm. out of this? And then they say this and this and this, and, and then maybe he will ask you if it's nice. He will ask you, what about you? Can you tell me something about you? Yeah. And you can start a conversation that might end up in the interview. Yeah, and and also feeling that person out. It's like if he's a complete ass, 
Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side, do you want to work with that person? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless you so really if, want the job, yeah. find them in Facebook, mm. find out where they live, show up in their house with cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, cake and coffee. Yeah, cake and That's coffee. the way Sorry. to Dane's heart, cake and coffee. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your morning routine, but, uh, you know, we have something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk. Yeah, we have to talk. <laughs> Besides, you know, your job, your, your other interest is um, dancing. And I want to get into that before, Um, the end of the show I want us to talk about like this passion you have for dancing and how you're sharing it to the community here in Denmark can you tell us a little bit about what you do um, you say you say it's a specific uh, dance but if you can share it to the audience like mm. what kind of dancing it is yeah. and how you're sharing it yeah exactly first of all uh, this takes me back culture like in Tanzania I'm not like the best uh, amazing dancer that you'll ever see but it just comes as a part of my culture because in Tanzania and uh, I think in Africa in general Dancing is a very natural part of you growing up. Sometimes you can see these YouTube videos about shirtless kids dancing in the street, and that is actually the reality. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes somebody might listen to nice uh, music, and the way they just start dancing without having all this insecurity about what other people think and you about their body, because you have like really big, big mamas, and they just dancing. You know, they are not caring about so. That is something that I sort of like lost because when I moved here and, you know, trying to to fit in, I started to get the values of being cautious about what other people think and being cautious about, oh, is this normal here? But after some times of, you know, as this, uh, sometimes I had some kind of depression and, and all this homesick, like I mentioned earlier, and I was like, no, this is really not me and this is not the, the me that I know. And I said, like, I need to find something to cheer me up. And then I just realized mm, I'm not as dancing as much as I used to, and that gave me hap happiness because you cannot dance frowning. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that would that would never work. So like it's it's all, say oh, this maybe it's something that uh, that I can do. And I've just been going to different places where they have parties and dancing. And then I came across this kind of dancing. It's a partner dance. Actually, the first time I'm try I've mm -hmm. tried it after I moved to Denmark is called Gizomba, mm. and uh, it's very broad many people they can define it however they want but it's it's a partner dance it's something that you can dance in a wedding it's something you can dance with your boyfriend with your girlfriend with your husband it's something you can dance even with somebody you just met it all depends on on uh, how are you dancing and how you're communicating what i really like about it is the fact that it's it's a nice way of socializing i mm -hmm. think for me You know, because uh, you don't use words, but you use steps. So you have a leader and you have a follower and the leader is leading this way and the follower is supposed to uh, feel the leading point of the leader and go that direction. So it could be the legs and knees, the shoulder, the hand. So so I like that because it feels like playful. It feels like a game. Like, did somebody really get me what I was trying to lead? So... I started to go to different like social events, mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning I thought like it's weird because people dance really close and you don't know these people. But then sort of I get hooked, I get addicted to it yeah. because it's something that is also funny and uh, playful because n nobody said adults should not play. <laughs> so for me, it was more like, oh, this is really good. And uh, it uh, really got me out of those dark times that I had. I was being more happy. I met more people, more friendly people. And that's what was I really needed because I didn't want to 
despite us being a foreigner, you know, there's many challenges and there's many different perspectives and, you know, there's all these issues, you frustration, like why do people don't get me and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't want necessarily to see Denmark like that. I just wanted to meet another side of Denmark, mm-hmm. which is happy, which is playful, which is social and friendly. So this is something that I took it personal because it helped me with my my personal development mm-hmm. myself. It brought me happiness and uh, and therefore that come that idea of uh, opening sort of like a dance studio where it's so basically it's like a studio but for me it's more like a place where people who really like this kind of dance mm-hmm. they can come uh, and uh, socialize with dancing maybe sit have a cup of coffee and then dancing and then there's a dj is always playing some music in the uh, in the background so this is uh, something because I realized even Danish people they need this. Some of them they also come like it was frustration. I'm like, you know, come, we're gonna dance, you know. And many people they change, they start to become more happy and and so for me it's I know it gave me kind of like enlightenment and happiness. It might necessarily not give somebody else, but most of people that I know they've always mentioned good thing that they've changed, they feel happy, they feel like the those insecurities here and there they're gone because it doesn't matter what silly steps you do just dance you know because uh, when you come inside you always walk out happy and smiling and like uh, we've done some silly steps but at the end of the day it's, it's not about being really competent and really serious kind of a dancer but just as a way of socializing and being happy and being secure with yourself and being playful that's yeah pretty much it yeah. and having fun having fun yeah. exactly yeah but it's, it, i like the idea yeah it's, it's a like great it's idea modern life yeah. getting to you dance it off with benson yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to name the studio There you go. well so so we started a facebook group yeah. and uh, so it's called like oh's kizomba uh, social dance okay Uh, and I just I just started first of all we were looking for I had some two of my other guys helping me and we found a venue that it's booked for the whole year 2021 mm-hmm. every weekend of it and we have two rooms uh, that we can use as a place where you can have coffee and everything and we started in recently and we have like I think 1995 members and and people always keep writing me when are we gonna dance I'm like but corona you know? yeah so I can feel that people they really um, they really want to come and dance and socialize and I'm sure after this whole nightmare is over probably we'll we'll dance more and and for me it's more like I really like the idea of people coming together I probably only do 70 or 60 percent of dancing but mostly like sitting and drinking coffee because in in Africa you used to having a big families right so I'm, I'm already used to having a bunch of people together hanging out if you want to dance dance if you want to sit sit if you want to talk talk but you're together and you're sharing you know hearing stories so that was like uh, the most concept togetherness and and not to b- put barriers between people yeah. yeah and i love that concept and it's yeah. just openness and willing to sit there and have coffee and dance when you want and then sit there again and have coffee and just be with each other and then if you're new um 
if you're new and don't know it, uh, it's a good way to just maybe just watch and experience it. Yeah. And then, you know, when the music music gets going and your shoulders get going, it's like, okay, maybe it's time to go up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah it might work for it. If, if you don't like it, that's just okay. Yeah. But that's just... Um, for me it it helped me and it still helps me and i've been going to many festivals even international to sweden mm-hmm. to france to germany that this community even bigger and uh, and i think this is huge like a couple of thousand people and and for me it's it was a really nice way of having holiday as being single mm-hmm. i just stay in a hotel for five years but i know downstairs there's two social rooms mm-hmm. that i can go and dance and these people they meet each other from yeah, i think in paris mm-hmm. they have this kind of urban kids that's very popular and uh, and they've oh, like it's crazy you meet southern people so you you so because for me i didn't want to be when i travel to be a typical tourist i'm not into looking at the museum yeah so i really like the combination of hotel beach and dancing yeah. so this going to these festivals it's really something that i really really enjoyed that's so nice that you're opening it up. There's already a community here because that's how you found it in in Denmark. But now you're opening it up more to other people to explore with the studio. Um, and you said the studio will be open in the weekends only, or during the week too, like after work or Friday beers when people are. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. I think we, we we've been able to book it to most of Saturdays of 2021. Okay. I think we have a couple of Sundays because it's actually an area. It's a community area, so to get something in the weekdays, it's uh, it's could be full booked or it would be difficult. So we had to start there. And we don't know when the future, depending on the people, mm-hmm. if you, if the people keep uh, like it and they want it to be bigger, it will be bigger. Yeah. But also it's a place where we're not only doing the social dust, but we're also organizing parties. For example, in the summer, going to some summer house where we have a weekend and we have a pool and we have a DJ. That's all what we really want. You know? Wow. So, so it's more like about chilling and relaxing and laying back after being hit so hard with work, with family or anything. And you just see the same people that you keep seeing in different areas and have just amazing cozy parties, really. So basically dancing off the stress. That's, yes, the, that's, that's the name that should be dance off the stress. Exactly. Dan- dance it off with Benson. I yeah, that yeah, that, w- that was a good one too. Dance it off with Benson. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could have like so many names for it, but it's more like coziness and and relax, yeah. and enjoy and... Yeah. yeah. Well, give me three beers, a shot of tequila, and I dance, man. You should totally come. Yeah, yeah. You don't want me there, man. Yeah. I, would. I would totally love to come once it opens and yeah. experience it. I've never heard of it. Like mm. when I hear like couples uh, dancing, I hear about like you know all those rumba and mm. tango. I never hear of just like getting up and yeah. moving and dancing, and mm. it's such a different uh, world yeah. to me. But this is also not a very old dance. I think mm-hmm. it's not even more than 10 years old. It started in Angola originally, mm-hmm. where they had the samba, which is like really, have because in Angola they Portuguese uh, colony. So they started in Angola, but then it started making its ways to Europe. And mm. then when it started reaching different parts, it transition to different version of it. for mm. example in Paris they have this called urban keys which you dance to a weird bit but you dance really fast and in some areas they have more sensual and in some areas they have more uh, there's very different branches of it really and but it's not very new so many people they don't know about this you know but there's so many different ways you could um, yeah you could just dance <laughs> and so many levels really 
Are you gonna be? Are, are there gonna be lessons uh, during mm. this um, period that the studio is open, or you you kind of just let people go in there, have coffee, and then it's like, okay, you're on your own, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just watch and learn. <laughs> it's not really a class because in all states already two places where they're already giving classes and mm -hmm. they're really good at it, and they're only not gi giving classes. Excuse me. In Kizomba, they also give classes in salsa, bachata, rumba, mm -hmm. tango, all this kind of stuff, and they've done it for over many years. So f for this, this is mostly used for social. So if you, because when you take classes, you only have a minute or two to practice what the teacher tells you. So you don't have really time to, to because repeating is how you get better. Mm -hmm. So this is just a place like you took a class elsewhere and then you just come here to, to practice with your partner what you've learned and maybe you're going into different classes, different levels, so you can teach each other the steps what you've learned. But we also want to be inviting guest teachers. So a teacher would, uh, that I know already that they said yes, they want to come. So they will, the first 10 minutes, they will show a step and you repeat that step. So just a very small step and then you can social dance whatever you want to dance uh, later. So that, will, that we will be doing just a small guest teacher introducing a new step, a new concept every, every weekend. And yeah, that's yeah, it is. It is a dance club then. Yeah, mm. so, so it's some steps, but it's more like free dancing. It and is. Yeah, it is I think meant to be that. No, no, no pressure. About, no pressure. Exactly. <laughs> that's a concept. Yeah. No pressure yeah. on how Freedom. to look. Yeah, on how to look, or if if yeah. you're doing it wrong, it's like everything's yeah. right. Just yeah. have fun. And and myself, I'm I'm not even a really good dancer. I'm only intermediate in this. So and there's many people who are really best, but for me, I just like to go and do my thing. Doesn't matter the level you are. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you said uh, you're having fun and you walk out of the studio or walk out of that um, place with a smile in your face, with a smile in your face is what matters, yes. and that's what you want to bring to Aarhus with this with the studio. Exactly. And I think that's a really great initiative. How is your daughter? Is good? Is she good at dancing? Have you brought her? Who? My daughter? Yeah. Yeah, she's good. Sometimes, you know, she just watch, put something on YouTube uh, and then she dance. Sometimes she invites me to look at her. Sometimes she locks the door and you're not allowed here in because maybe she wants to <laughs> be good. But Ooh. she's uh, she's just doing her own life. Do you dance together sometimes? Yeah, sometimes, you know. Sometimes she see me solo dancing. Say, dance, Dad, can I dance with you? And then, yes. You know. That's but, brilliant. <laughs> it, is, it is, you know, I look at babies. They naturally start dancing at some point. Yeah. They listen to music you never taught teaching them and they start moving, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a natural thing. It is a natural thing. Yeah. And it's and then they they're not shy about it. I guess when you become an adult you just get more self conscious. Exactly. It's like people oh. are looking at me. Not but me. That, but that's exactly what we want to break. <laughs> yeah. You know, and some people here they dance after they've been drinking and then it gets it really awkward, you know. But here what we're trying to break is that self conscious like uh, because that cannot help in dance, but in in life in general, mm -hmm. you know, because you don't think about other people. Just so that is, just break that barrier. Yeah. And you don't need to be drunk no. to to dance. No, because <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you can get more when you're sober, and more, not life experience, but more self confidence when you you're. You do it sober. Because <laughs> a lot of people da dance only when they're drunk. Yes. <laughs> I, know a a couple, I know a few. <laughs> liquid courage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woo, party. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up. And thank you for sharing the studio. Um, 
when all this craziness is over, when do you think you're going to open it? And where, when is it going to be uh, to the public where people can find, find you and this uh, dance studio? Yeah, so we were supposed to already be open by now, but then because of the the rules, COVID rules have been extended. Though we've been ha- we have to postpone. But as soon as we are back at it again, I'm really good in contact with the manager who's running the place, and then we will will have the place. So uh, right now, the only way is uh, through the Facebook group that we have. Okay, I'll so, share that online too. Yes, sure. So. If, if somebody is really interested and they really think this is something for them, then we usually just put all these posters and when do we start or what happens. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your life in Denmark and what you're up to with this dance studio. I'm so excited for it to open because I'm definitely going to be there and learn how to free dance. <laughs> thank you for having um, me. I'm coming too. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a wrap, everyone. If you want to know more about the dance studio uh, and about Benson, you can find it on my website and all the information will be on there. Thank you, guys. And until next week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>